This is Shaka Wartspeak. Bonus round. Hey, so we're back with our Shock Award Speak, and we are coming to you with a bonus design stuff episode. Um, we had a lot of good conversation the last time, but we only got through two of the three uh, clips that we mm-hmm. had uh, lined up for you. So wanted to pop back in, get that third one. Got to get the full clip. Gangstar, Gangstar had the song full clip. Yeah. We had yeah. to get it. Get and so in, in the spirit of Gangstar, we had to get full of, clip. of Guru. Yeah, in premiere, we had yes. to go Gangstar and go yeah, full shout clip. Out. Um, <laughs> So we got to go for a clip on this. Re- reminder real quick. Um, who is this we're talking about? Oh, talking, yeah, about Georgi Kepish. Kepish. Um, yeah. Hungarian-born painter, designer, uh, teacher, school builder, all the things. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Came to the United States in the 1930s, late 30s, um, with a lot of other folks. And uh, the clip we're going to hear this morning uh, is actually kind of, it's a little harder to hear, so you have to pay attention. Uh, and some of it is... Um, some of the stuff we heard earlier, you can definitely hear his Hungarian accent uh, throughout uh, his career, which is a beautiful, wonderful accent. Um, but he had been in the country for a lot less, so English wasn't <clears throat> wasn't something he'd been speaking as much. So his, his accent's a little heavier. Um, but also, you hear uh, a lot of background noise, which at times sounds like cameras clicking, but it also sounds like somebody's just like wadding up giant sheets of paper in the background <laughs> when he's being uh, interviewed. So this is from the early 70s. And we'll just uh, jump right into it and get talking about it. There is an obvious and sometimes painful discrepancy between life as it is and life as it should and could be. But most of us, if we retain still our confidence in life, try to find ways to bridge this gap. Artists are among among those who have a passionate commitment to the completeness of life. Today, one does need to have too much imagination or extra sensitivity to see yeah, so how a lot of stuff our urban <clears throat> life the, the first bit so like it's he talks about, that, you know, artists have this um, interest or appreciation for the completeness of life, <clears throat> which is a big statement. But like, uh, do we do we agree with that? Uh, how would we see that played out in artists? Are there other places where we see that? Like what, what, what does it even mean mm-hmm. with uh, interest in the completeness of life? Well, I was going to say kind of as a enjoy like a enjoinder i guess to the last episode mm-hmm. you know i said so i guess like to go back to go forward mm-hmm. to the question i said that uh there's the the things that we do you know i said like oh like a flower exists in a way that you know there's a way that it shouldn't exist and yet it does yeah so when we look at the the problems and the brokenness and the tenuousness like the earth shouldn't exist or you look at how much uh, dark matter there is, or whatever anti was it um, antimatter. 
and how explosive it is. It's like, we should not be here. Uh, scientists across the board say that. It's like, so, um, and it's a mystery. And so when we see things, when we talk about hope, because hope relates to completeness mm-hmm. or ends. And so uh, when we were talking about like, kind of like the way things kind of fail, there, it, the trick is that they're not fit the, the things, if you will, or the goods, if you will, or the uh, creative aspirations that turn into tangibleized outcomes that continue to move things forward. Some of those are, 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 are really good. Otherwise we wouldn't be doing it, mm-hmm. but they're, but what happens is they, they're crushed under the weight of wrong expectation. And so like, you know, we're looking at this coffee cup and saying, you know, saying like this shouldn't exist in a lot of ways. Like it's made from plants. Mm-hmm. Somebody is doing this to, um, recycle and minimize and re and use the earth's, you know, um, resources in a more, um, green kind of stewarding way. And then they give you a plastic cup to put on top, Yeah, you know? So, so in what this is made to do is to stay warm in my hand. And then they've made it a one, uh, they've, someone has took the cup warmer that makes it, or the cup holder part that makes the coffee less warm, mm-hmm. uh, to touch and just built it into the design of the cup. So they've tried to solve a couple different problems and has done a good job of it. Now, when you add more pressure to this than what it's intended for, that's when it will fall short based on the pressure that's been added. Mm-hmm. So I'm using that as a way of talking about a lot of these things. So like when an institution uh, takes on the mantle of answering every kind of question through the tools that it propagates as its reason for coming there to study, mm-hmm. then, then those are where it starts to uh, wear, buckle, Etc. Because you're putting ultimate pressure on something that can't bear a kind of ultimate pressure. Yeah. So you know, so saying that doesn't say anything about whether or not the the um, the things as they are were actually deficient in any kind of way. In fact, mm-hmm. it doesn't even allow us to know that for sure. Um, if anything, we 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 have to assume that they are. Otherwise, they wouldn't be loaded with extra pressure. So they were doing something well. There's something valuable there. And if we're kind of a historical to non-historical, we'll never know. Um, and then we're doomed to repeat with less capacity the same kinds of things yeah. that will constantly fail us under the wrong kinds of expectations. Yeah. So um when when um so so that's to that's to kind of put a that's to kind of like tease out the knot of optimism that's bound up in the conversation of the last one. Like 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 it's not all doom and gloom, but it's sobriety about our our propensity to inordinately expect of things far past their ability to wrongly place expectation on things and people that things and people can't bear out in that way. Yeah. Um, so coming forward, then artists have a propensity towards completion or towards how did he say it? He said uh, they have an interest in completeness an interest. or the completeness of life. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I think actually like what you're saying, like it kind of it, it kind of relates in a lot of ways to the, the, the way that I think about what he's saying, um, which is like if you were to have <clears throat> if you were to have somebody who was like, oh, I'm going to make this thing and now I solve the problem. OK, well, that may not be like an artistic mindset, right, because they're they're doing exactly what you're talking about. They're not thinking about how it and it relates how you might be perpetuating a problem, how you've put put new form on the same problematic solution, right? So they're not necessarily thinking about that. So when I hear him talk about have an interest in completeness, I, I get more towards 
knowing that he is a more like idealistically minded individual. Yeah. More toward that idea of like, well, no, like the, the artist would actually be asking the kind of questions that you're talking about here mm-hmm. and the things that those blind spots, um, you know, what is, what is the, the use and function of this thing? How does it relate to, uh, like philosophical or ideological categories within society? How does it accomplish a goal while still carrying those ideas forward? What does it communicate and in which manner does it do so? Like an artist would, would have a more complete vocabulary of assessing the object or the thing or the experience. Um, whereas there would be some other category for folks who just are just making a thing to make it, who are just mm-hmm. like producing mm-hmm. a thing. Um, that's where my mind goes with it, really fitting in with everything you're talking about, that um, it's, a, it's a more more inclusive, complete system of thought going into how or why or when or in which capacity or which way do we make mm-hmm. um, something rather than just let me just quickly solve a problem and say I've done something. Mm-hmm. And yeah, also oh, go for it. Oh, I was just going to say um, it, that makes a lot of sense, Gareth, because of how he follows up that statement with then a critique of what has been done in like the urban city environment and, mm-hmm. and the recognition that what has been done is not living up to hopes or expectations. Mm. So, so he's he's putting these two statements together, and you have to come to the conclusion that he's aware. Oh, if artists are interested in the completeness of life, and we are making things that are not living up to our expectations, that first statement is sort of an acknowledgement of how things should be, and the second statement is an acknowledgement of where things actually are. Mm. Um, and maybe, you know, you could extrapolate that and say, he's saying that, you know, the people who are making and it's producing these things that aren't living up to our expectations, aren't real artists, or maybe he's just being honest and saying, this is what artists are striving towards sort of a full vision of what life is where everything's taken into account. But when we actually get around to trying to do it, it produces things that don't live up to that. Well, because of the so I, I took it as a actually a bit of a critique of an Achilles heel for probably design designer artist designers of the of the time because mm-hmm. that's very much that's the post that's the modern dilemma is is what do you have to throw out to idealize and aim towards completion because mm-hmm. completion allows for uh, you to point to it others to see it completeness appeals to certain kinds of mindsets. So like what's interesting is you had um, kind of uh, artists that would work in like the fluxus movement and like there's artists that would work in the gaps and talk about the kind of the open endedness of things. Mm -hmm. There's no summarizing closure and therefore no idyllic completion to things. It's all process based. That's where you get your feminist response and materiality and like, anti-formalism and mm-hmm. and um you know very we do lump like happenings and yeah yeah that's the flux of stuff yeah, so okay. happenings yeah so so what happens there is and i'm not critiquing that. i'm not saying it's bad i'm saying but that's where the conversation shifted to like well hey um we've tried to land it, the plane in completeness and it it it's fallen short which is partly what he's saying so mm-hmm. he's saying it's 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 coming up for once so then what happens is then you have a, a kind of a lack of commitment mm-hmm as a practice so which you know driving it all the way forward that's 
that's the um, the inverted pinnacle of our current moment is to say, I don't know. Who's to say, I don't know. Um, and, and every time you do that, that's a power grab. Um, and then there's, you know, the way you, you explain your position and, you know, it's jar, a lot of jargon mm-hmm. um, across the board for all of us. Like we get jargony, myself included. But um, so there's a critique, but then there, but there's something right about wanting a kind of, um, there's something I think bound up in the heart of humans and, and especially in makers to want completeness mm-hmm. or to want to, to, to bring, depending on what we mean by that, to bring about a kind of a fullness or, um, to bite off more than you can chew, um, is seems to be important to being a human. It's like, you, you kind of have to know your place and sometimes biting off more than you can chew generates more opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe you could think about like um, you know how much a cup can hold when it's filled up so much that it spills over. Yeah, there's like a knowledge that comes from from that. And you're like, okay, yeah. this is it. This That's is the, the satisfaction too. Mm-hmm. Is is really testing our limits and testing our. Um, I'm putting I'm putting stuff in a cup right now. Testing our limits mm-hmm. is 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 important. If if it's only a so if it's only a conceptual ex- exercise, which conceptualism. I got thoughts, but conceptualism becomes a mental exercise that never treads in reality. It does set up a lane of um, conceptualized living mm-hmm. that never treads in reality because it becomes a plausible experience where the mind is pressured in a way that dislocates from the whole of the body. Mm-hmm. So, like, so that you're you're living the life of the mind becomes the center of all of human experience, all haptic experience, all sensory like and and it's 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 an astonishing thing but it cannot bear that weight Mm -hmm. but there's people that instead of acknowledging that continue down reconstructing reality around the life of the mind in a conceptualized space where you you never deal with consequences you know you never have to touch a hot iron because there's no iron to touch Mm -hmm. but you can imagine hot can you can you really and that's that's your point back to like people needing to see the water, the cup over overflow mm-hmm. and, and make a stain on the ground. And that's a consequence that now I got to deal with. Like mm-hmm. uh, there's those that need it that way. But if you, so if you think about, it's really fascinating though, but if you take that forward and you put kids in front of computer games, they never deal with the stain on the floor mm-hmm. because it's in a virtual space that there's no consequence other than a reset button. Mm-hmm. So what does it look like when you've got a uh, multiple generations on a steady diet of that it becomes all conceptual. Yeah. Um, so, you know, completeness, depending on what he means by that, um, I think it's important to have the thoroughness to our, somebody needs to have a thoroughness, not everybody, but some of us do. Yeah. Well, I think there's, <clears throat> so there's a quote from Language of Vision that I think maybe can help us get a little bit closer to what he means, because it is such a, it's a vague concept. And like I said, again, like it, he drops this gigantic phrase as if it's just a nothing. <laughs> completeness like, of life. And here it is. Let's talk about how busted the cities are. Um <clears throat> So from language of vision, he says, before one begins to use the visual language for the communication of a concrete message, he should learn the greatest possible variety of spatial sensations inherent in the relationships of the forces acting on the picture service. The storing up of such varied experience is the most important part of the training for visual expression. What is called technical education, the mastery of a particular skill or a particular habit of visual representation, should be put off as long as one learns the objective basis of the language of vision. 
Mm-hmm. So it 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 it, it seems like it's it's going toward an idea of thoroughness, but it definitely does. Uh, <clears throat> there there's still those those things of, I mean, you, the one thing that I I can never get myself away from uh, within modernist thought is that the the designer, the artist, the architect, the maker is always like the enlightened guru, right? They're the knight on the horse. They're Superman. <laughs> you know, they're all those things. Uberman. Yeah, always. Mm-hmm. So you see that coming through um, where it is a uh, like an audacity of rightness. Mm-hmm. Um, but that rightness is is coming about through some like systematic way. It's not necessarily coming about as like a necessarily external objective. Mm-hmm. So it is a, a, a systematic objective of points, right? So even the whole book, uh, Language of Vision, he's arguing about creating a new language of vision in which we can do these things. Mm-hmm. So it's still a subjective objectivity or objective subjectivity, mm-hmm. <laughs> however you want to put it. Like there's some there's some things there, mm-hmm. um, but when we talk about completeness, like when when I hear it in in whatever problematic nature comes up with with like kind of the the purity of what is being said is being said, it is something I can attach to pretty well and be like, no, there should be there should be a almost a, a relational way in which this thing makes sense and fits into what is happening. There are very few things in life that I think work well by not fitting in to something bigger. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, like think of middle school, right. How all of us felt, felt like we didn't fit into like the bigger group or whatever. Um, but also like, I mean, you know, the way my cabinets in my house work, like that one mug that doesn't fit with the others, that's just too big and it won't, you know, like it's a problem. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard to deal with. And, and, requires uh, a way of thinking to integrate it requires buying a bigger house <laughs> right well why'd you buy the house well i had this mug and it was like half an inch taller than the rest yeah so i just had to scrap it that's kind of our culture though. <laughs> yeah it is but i think there's you know there's something in the completeness uh that deals with like that relational space mm-hmm. of how this like how does this thing live mm-hmm. how does it interact how does it react um yeah there's there, there's something bound up in that um you know going into his stuff of uh Storing up varied experience as the most important part of training for visual expression. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's actually a lot of information that goes into putting an object into the world Mm -hmm. or there should be. There should be. Yeah. 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 That's the fittingness part. So so that's the thing is the, the question of completeness is not necessarily the problem. It's the over pressurizing of that, which is made complete. And so when you wrongly pressurize it, then it buckles under that pressure, but then you miss what the completeness did bring to bear in its proper effects, not its inordinate expectations for exceeding it effects. Right. Um, and elusivity is like the aroma of more that is um, sort of part and parcel to the nature of reality and the things we fashion and bring to bear so, so that it's not... Um, it doesn't bear evidence of a weakness necessarily. It just says that we live in a world um, where space is meant to be made much of iteratively, redundantly, constantly. And um, in iteration and redundancy, always and forever for subsequent generations. So there are certain things where you have to keep turning the soil because that's part of like we're grounded to like we're soil people, so we have to. Every generation has to put their put their their hands to the soil. 
And if you don't do it in an enduring way, you'll be forced to do it by someone else. Mm-hmm. So if you get that, then you're, you're stewarding what's possible, but you're not inordinate, inordinately expecting more than maybe uh, one can bring to bear. I don't know. There's like a sweet spot, but that, that requires a kind of uh, mediation to things. So it's like, depending on how you read the data, you can say, well, gosh, urbanism failed. What did it fail though? Did it fail utopia? Okay. But maybe that's just, maybe the premise failed. Right. So if you eliminate the premise, then what are you saying? Well, a lot of interesting things have come about that are enduring. So what are those enduring things Mm -hmm. and how do we receive those batons and continue to run and continue to build? Yeah, there's a, an, another quote a few pages on from the, the last one. It says, The picture surface becomes a vital spatial world, not only in the sense that the spatial forces are acting on it, moving, falling, and circulating, but also in the sense that between these movements, the field itself is charged with action. Yeah. And so there's, you know, you're talking about like if if it's all kind of a soil and we're made to be gardeners of that soil, mm-hmm. you know, then that then the the existence of it, kind of like we were talking about with a canvas or whatever, like is, is always in reaction or, or, um, or, or working with, working with or against the reality of that, that of what is. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so if above that canvas is the action, then the canvas has to itself be charged with a place that will allow for action to take place. Yeah. It's charge is, is a reciprocating, a visual field of physical and immaterial buoyancy and accommodation to a range of possible um, assets or elements. And, yeah. then, and then there's the composing. That's that's So literally what he's talking about is what I was saying in the last mm-hmm. episode about what is a world, what constitutes a world, what lives without. When you, when you practice world building of any kind, you, 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 um, you know, it's like when someone makes a world, like Star Wars, so mm-hmm. Star Wars a world. Well, once you introduce um, something that violates the laws of the world, it changes mm-hmm. the world completely. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can work, but a lot of, sometimes it cannot. Right. So there's things about the Star Wars universe that if you mess with them, you lose Star Wars. You lose the world. The world's yeah. gone. Now you're, you're dealing with something totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, like when... When um, to be super nerdy and dumb, but when when they shifted that when the force was mis- a mysterious binding reality that's sort of like gravity, but with mm-hmm. um, is wieldable. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the world of the Jedi, but then when you go to the prequels and they say it's midichlorians, oh, it's it's a <laughs> yeah. f- physical detect detectable quantity within certain people that changed. Uh, the world a little bit. It it, it violated the first world. It it, mm-hmm. it it altered the magic, so to speak. So it sets up a dilemma that the last three had a hard time reconciling. That's why mm-hmm. that's why Palpatine's on he's a clone on, on a he's a clone of himself on a backup generator essentially. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So because you have to house the force within these within material material means. Super dorky, but illustrating <laughs> when you when you I make a you. world there's an assessment of, of what constitutes the world. And then there's fidelity to the upholding and maintaining of that world and all of its design principles and all mm-hmm. of its qualitative states. And if you're, if you're remain ignorant to that, you may get some fun collisions. Like when any of our kids at one and two years old build something and then 
necessarily smack it and watch it fall. Mm-hmm. You might get that kind of pl- childlike pleasure mm-hmm. out of seeing it not work. But that that you can't build a house on that mindset. You can't live there. Right. And we're trying really hard to to go back to the last episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know, in the other, there, it's highly rewarding to come to the the limits of your capacity in thinking about what constitutes a world, and then in remaining uh, having a kind of faithful or fidelity to. Uh, the constituting of a world and seeing things come to completion repeatedly and learning about it and then transferring that educationally over to other people, which would, which would be the value of an institution in that sense is to recognize your humanity Mm -hmm. and your limitations and, and offsetting some of your expectation and world building off of yourself and onto others over subsequent generations. Yeah. Cause just one of the things as you're talking, I'm thinking about, the institution and the world building. And that does make a lot of sense because like we, as much as each individual would desire to be faithful to the real world, like I can't hold the fullness of the real world in my head. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a, I'm a small cup, you know, mm-hmm. you're an um, element. I'm an element. Yeah. Um, and so I could spend all my life trying to live in fake worlds or I could spend my life trying to engage in the real world. But even with the real world, I know that I cannot get outside and fully encompass and totally know. And so it makes sense that something like an institution could be a place where a lot of people come together, each who have their capacities for knowing the real world Mm. and can pool all of that together. And then within the institution, then share it with the next generation. So Mm -hmm. the burden of, um, knowing the fullness of the real world and all that that means isn't trying to be resting on one person Mm -hmm. to then pass on to one other person, knowing that like no single normal person is capable of holding all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I think that works against like our our current ideas about specialization and the importance, the over importance that we put on mm -hmm. it. Um, Because you end up with folks coming out who are incapable of having the relational dynamics you're talking about. And they're incapable of living within a space where they can actually interact in a, in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would, I would go so far as to say that if, if the problems of over-specialization weren't real, if, if we were at a place where we understood that like education is actually a bit more full than what we do, um, I wouldn't have a job at VCU. Mm-hmm. Because what I'm teaching is helping students figure out how you bridge those gaps. Mm-hmm. Because we've forgotten to teach students that, or we've intentionally said it's not important, mm-hmm. and so we get to a place where um, you have you have courses, faculty members, entire departments, where the whole role of it is to say, "Hey, you may be X, but you're going to need to interact with Y and Z, and I need to help you figure out how to actually have those conversations because mm-hmm. you're not learning any of those uh, skills or things." So, in that sense, like there is like community building that's going on. But it's being done in in what, if you were to look at some of the the language of Kepish and what he's talking about with completeness, like you kind of look at it and say it's we're kind of teaching it in an almost remedial sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know the the things that we would like to think are just part and parcel of being mm-hmm. human that just come out naturally. That's what I meant about iteration and redundancy. Mm-hmm. If you buy into the lie or myth of progress, it it doesn't things don't transfer like that. We don't. Right. So that's the problematic yeah because if i'm if i'm in the gym and i'm like i'm gonna get my arms big i'm gonna progress these arms 
all the other days I'm skipping for muscle groups. Yeah. Those are regressing. Yeah. Yeah. Those are regressing. So, so, and, and those things don't transfer over that way. Right. So, um, what transfers over is the distortion. So if you continue to grab the distortion as the thing, well, then you become more distorted and you still call it the other. And it, it's, it's mostly reactionary as well. So you're just reacting, um, mostly to problems. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's where that's the the inherent flaw of like uh you know i i just say the inherent, there's there's flaws in secular humanism mm-hmm. that uh have landed us in a place where we're all we, we keep changing the language in the titanic but the titanic still sinks yeah so and there's a, a lack of willingness to admit to this and you said it you said um you said uh adolescence about um the way things transfer over yeah it's like a remedial sense. a remedial sense well so why well because we have to go back to the to start the, again yeah you have to go again. back but also and it's not even that you go back it's it's that it's that you go back but it's what i was saying about the pan thing it's that you you go those that go forward go forward distorted into a kind of adult state of remedial adolescence mm-hmm. and so to create more of a um sender receiver dynamism but also to um enable a hedonistic pleasure-based um aspiration that is convenient to people's desires and exclusionary to any stumbling block or difficulty so Mm -hmm. that makes people incapable of taking on the tall order and difficult task of of uh you know what our designer is talking about because that requires a kind of uh, right assessment of yourself mm-hmm. and uh which comes with a right assessment of what you're both able to do and not able to do yeah and then also the ability to want to climb climb the ladder and work and yeah because those are antithetical to to um the uh slippery slope values of of um indefinite adolescence and anything that is a stumbling block to my chief end, which is, is um, a pleasure, mm-hmm. power and pleasure. Yeah, because with bound up in the idea of completeness is you have to understand what what completeness looks like and what level of incomplete you are at, mm-hmm. so that you can move from A to B. <clears throat> so if you deny that completeness or that a categorical imperative or or a, a definition is is not a thing, like if you say that mm-hmm. it's not real, and then you say no. Uh, I contain multitudes and therefore I'm just kind of finding where those things are and activating them mm-hmm. instead of actually growing or learning or being checked or any of those other things. If, if we have essentially nullified those, then you get to a point where you can say, well, you know, Georgi, you got a really great idea, but we've actually eviscerated the vocabulary. And therefore, based on your ideas about what language looks like and how people can use it to envision the future, we actually can't even see a future where somebody would be able to solve a problem well. And so you get into a spot where you say, yeah, the, the cries of idiocy, um, like that you hear all around that we're, you know, we're digressing, we're regressing, we're, yeah. we're moving backwards. Like you can understand where those come from. Yeah. Because if we've taken away any end point and we've taken away any starting point, then at best we're just kind of walking around in circles, screaming yeah. at each other in the wilderness, not knowing what's going on. Yeah. I mean, and that's a, it's a tough spot, Yeah. but it also means that the second half of his statement about how the urban 
life has fallen short? Like, of course it has. Yeah. Because what have we been shooting for? Right. You know what? What's been the what's been the trajectory that mm-hmm. we've been aiming at? Um, it's not really there. So what's interesting about the quote is there was a time where artists were interested in completeness, but I would yes. say more artists. There are still those artists that do, and, and they're probably the ones that actually get the most work behind the scenes. But the the if you took like a, a mushy middle majority of mm-hmm. your standard person who goes to art school gets out, they're looking for. Um, you know what TikTok and Instagram is given, which is, and I'm not, I use, I use Instagram, but I'm saying you, you, you boil down the standard of experience and then you, it's all posture. It's like all, mm-hmm. it's all vibe or swag or attitude and attitude against the backdrop of, so, so the, the more, the more folks uh, posture attitude, the more they have to control the environment to stabilize the posture. Yeah. So, so they have to control and say what's in and what's out because I need to be able to vogue or vibe or express myself in a very mm-hmm. strict set of frontal means through Instagram where I look disinterested or I look tough and I use like, like there's things that people do constantly or I, I, I take a picture and throw some eyeliner on and act indifferent or I, me and my, my buddies stand and pose the way that Cholos did mm-hmm. from my dad's era in front of Loretta cars except for you're in front of like your suburban house yeah it's it's really weird uh connotation it's all connotative Mm -hmm. like we don't exist in definitions we we exist in connotations and then we treat connotations like definitions (laughs) then we change the connotation uh for a better more preferable connotation and it's a slippery slope you can't build society on connotations yeah but you can build a virtual world Uh uh-huh you can build a virtual world on connotations it's just going to be really um babalistic confusing Mm -hmm. Um, scattered, and it will require you to become st- fitting to the scrambledness of it. So you'll have to be scrambled to find accordance or yeah. fittingness. It's almost like uh, you know, if you had a friend who went to the museum and they're like, "Yeah, I just go, I go to read the cards next to the pieces." Mm-hmm. That's that's what I do. It's like, why would you do that? Like, the reason the thing exists is for the pieces that are there. Like, you can experience the entirety of a museum as intended. By viewing just the works of art mm-hmm. without knowing who did it or what the thing was mm-hmm. or who bought it and gave it to the museum. Mm-hmm. But you can't experience a museum if you just go in and read those cards. Yeah. But we've we've kind of made ourselves happy to live life in that respect. Mm-hmm. Going to the museum and just reading the cards. Yeah. Oh, you know, hey, I got the connotation. Yeah. I get what it's pointing to. Also, that card can be taken down next week and you can change the narrative around it. Yeah. You can, you know, the name's still the same, but, mm-hmm. you know, completely different thing now. Yeah. It eviscerates the experience 100%. Yeah. This is a really kind of um, provocative thing, but this person was, so we have friends with autism, so, Mm -hmm. but this person was like in the early, late 80s, and he was sort of looking at the future, kind of the way that we're talking, and he, he saw a world where he talked about everybody suffering a kind of cultural autism, Mm-hmm. So overloaded by sensory and an inability to speak. Mm. And uh, and he wasn't talking about it in the sense that we would talk about it today yeah, because it was still emergent as a phenomenon. But he actually saw that as like um, uh, incipient reality that would pervade everyone without um, some kind of profound intervention and accounting for this our, the state of our frame and our being and, Mm-hmm. you know, what's inhibiting us. And I would actually say to you, 
that in a certain kind of way, it's interesting because people really do struggle to look, make, you think about the effect of masks on kids. Like, like people have a hard time making eye contact. They can't socialize or communicate. Like, and not, you know, um, we, we've been brought closer in connection as we said a million times, but at the expense of all of these other factors and, um, you know, it would be interesting to take some of these designers and artists and thinkers that we've and like land them just today, just like, you know, reanimate their, bring them back <laughs> to pull a get, Bill and Ted. Yeah. And just get their <laughs> take on what they're seeing. Like what would, if you said, Hey, Hey, um, you know, anyone of note that's had consequence on reality and the state of affairs, as far as we understand and said, we're going to bring you here. And I want you to, you got one week to take it in. And then I want you to go back and decide if you're going to stay the course with what you're doing. Yeah. Like how many people would stay the course? Like it's like, if you would dropped, Jefferson stay the course? Yeah. If you dropped a uh, Wittgenstein in and he was like, Hey guys, I said, yeah. it's a language game that has rules. I yeah. say you could throw out all the rules. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what would Wittgenstein say? Like, and I'm not glorifying any, any no, totally. possible person, but I'm just saying it would be, an, it's an interesting, it's like, gosh, you can't do it, but it would be really interesting to, to hear someone's like, I mean, some people I think would just be rendered speechless. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, but it, it goes to the point, so if we're talking about, you know, the, the city is not living up to the expectations. Right? Yeah. And then we look at it and we're like, okay, well, the canvas upon which we are is is uh, in, intrinsically action-based. Mm-hmm. So we're we are in a world in which we are called into doing things in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, and going back to the, the past episode, it may be even in a hopeful way creatively to see new new ways or to fight against darkness mm-hmm. uh, in different respects. Um then we look at something like that and we say we we actually do need some level of completeness, some way of thinking through things that help us to understand what what the ends are of the trajectory we're setting up. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's like uh, if you've moved into a house and one of the things you had to do was like rip up a tree because it was, you know, four inches away from your foundation. And you're like, somebody planted that tree with fantastic intentions of shade and beauty. Uh, but now I got to rip this thing out because it's it's actually destructive. It's actually destroying things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a pretty good picture of, I think, what we're talking about here. Yeah. Because uh, making the thing now to satisfy needs, wants, desires that are only now, um, there's nothing complete about that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You know, and that actually does land itself into, you know, an urban space that isn't what we thought it would be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Panera. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in the sense that by bringing it into the context, of a critique about the urban space, it assumes the corporate life that we share together. That's a good point. So, you know, it would be different if he just said, um, you know, our self-actualized experience of our lives isn't living up to our expectations. But he said, no, it's the city. Mm. So there's a sense that part of the completeness of life that the artist maybe has a way of seeing is a, a picture of life that is a corporate life because as we're trying to play it out, we're playing it out in cities. And as our corporate life is failing or succeeding, we're seeing the city fail and succeed. Mm-hmm. If you sort of understand the city as a dynamic um, locus of human life lived out together in all its different lanes of avenues of like business and arts and entrepreneurship and um and you might argue that part of the modernist failure is that they restricted corporate life to the city and they should have mm. seen, you know, oh, the people who grow our food don't live in the city necessarily. Yeah. Um, but I think just un- the understanding of 
the corporate life we're living, getting back to like, none of us can hold the world. But corporately, as we're living together in a communal life and different people with their capacities are able to put their hands on different aspects of the real world, and then the fact that we're all unified as humans, there's a fullness of that corporate life that's possible that can't be obtained um, by ourselves and can't be obtained if we're living a communal life that has deferred on actually accessing reality and has all agreed that we're going to prefer an unreality or a, uh, a fabricated world. Yeah, and I think, I mean, <clears throat> you can't you, you can't talk about a lot of these folks without bringing up some of the other uh, modernist or like pre-modernist sort of um, camps of thought. So you have things like, you know, City Beautiful um, and other like physical reality um, sort of thinking spaces where they would say things like, oh, well, actually, we just need to tear down all of Paris and rebuild it because we now know how humans work mm -hmm. so we can fabricate what would have essentially been like a virtual environment in an, in a physical space mm -hmm. because it, it is not built on anything except for a thought of how everything should kind of be right now. Um, and so you have a lot of their notions. Yeah. Notions. It's a notion of, um, you know, it could be a highly informed notion, but it is a notion nonetheless. Yeah. I mean, that's the, so I was thinking about, um, a goofy occasion for completeness is, uh, something that we've lost, which is the handshake. So when you, <laughs> yeah, when you two hands connect in a really good handshake, there's a kind of distribution of oneself into the other in a, a non, let me say this, this way, a certain kind of handshake, um, is a greet and a welcome and a vulnerability and an assertion of oneself all, all bound up in the same act. And so the, your thumbs connect and you're, you're locked into a handshake. There's eye and contact. Eye contact. And it, it presupposes a kind of uh, prior understanding that would allow two people to understand what to do in that moment. Yeah. So talking about a micro expression, I'm not talking about, but in it, a good handshake has a, a satisfaction, uh, like a kind of, uh, according to the gesture, a satisfaction yeah. uh, of, of com a fittingness, a completeness. And it, it preempts um, both the opening and closing of an encounter with another person. So there's more to be had, uh, but it's completeness renders effects on what comes next yeah. in the before closure of the, of the conversation. And, um, that's like one small example of, of, of fittingness and things coming together mm -hmm. that are according to our body and our experience that are under our control. And we gesture towards what we've agreed. It's customary. And, and, but so I say that to say, if it, and it's less likely that people have experienced sort of the, um, the small, the small yet resonant delight of, of a good handshake. Yeah. A good, um, if, so if one has, then you know the confounding oddness of anything short of that. Hmm. You know, so, when someone comes to you and avoids a handshake, but nonetheless gestures and their hand is noodly, or uh, they like they hold their hand like a wet rag, mm -hmm. um, there's connotations there uh, that are uh, intimately un unwelcoming. Mm -hmm. Like you're intimately saying, uh, "You and I are different." Yeah. Um, and so what I'm trying to do is just take one small composition 
within ourselves that both gives us a sense of com- uh, completion, but also gives us a sense of uh, disunity. Just you know, and I, I you know, listen uh, or, or abuse. Like when you shake someone's hand, they have to have the power shake. Yeah, they have to the assert hierarchical control. So yeah. much is communicated through that one gesture in every possible way. But all of those understandings are in reference to what a good handshake should be. Yeah, and I think you know. Talking about handshakes, interesting because I think that its its origins was kind of in like uh, like like knights and chivalry, mm-hmm. and so the whole idea was you 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 shook hands with your dominant hand because you were you were already proposing to the other person that you were unarmed, mm-hmm. and that the only thing that you're doing is meeting them as an equal. Yeah, you know, so the the relationship was already one that yeah. felt trust and a number yeah. of other things. Um, but then also like you know, growing up, you would you would hear stories about like oh the Olympics happened and this team would not shake the hands of the people afterwards. Yep. And it meant something. It meant something. Right? It was yeah, a gesture clear. that was very clear. So it is a, you know, a, a space of like respect and everything else that signals so many other things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is a, there is a kind of uh, a completeness in something as simple as that, that you knew that like, Oh, this, this country isn't shaking hands with this country's uh, people because uh, there is like some strife going on or something happening or they're, they're rallying against something that this other country stands for. Um, but it, it, I think it's a great example yeah. not to really talk about because there's so much fullness there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, it gives us a picture of, like, if that's the case there, then then so there's a lot of other things that have accordance, and there's people that have acquired the uh, taste for discord, yeah. and they've created homes in discordant action, and, and at some point, cultural memory goes away, and you're left with, why doesn't the rest of the world accord with my <laughs> discordant disposition? And because you have a... Uh, your third generation understanding of it, then you demand that the world change to accommodate your discordant yeah. and, and you throw out fittingness, but you're still trying to employ it mm-hmm. and it becomes a, um, so you're looking for another kind of completeness in place of the one that was already there, you know, like in your lack of cultural memory and haptic experience with it. I mean, so it's like you extrapolate these things into greater amounts and you see uh, disharmony and you see, um, problems that are downstream from the initial problem mm-hmm. and are actually just the furtherance of the problem not actually a solvable thing mm-hmm. which is what we're dealing with you know yeah. it's, it's like yeah it's like we're making we're trying to make like uh, side effects problems um and it's like so it's it, it's like medication yeah, symptoms with yeah. big pharma right that's You're right like, oh, i'm gonna take this medication because i got this heart issue but then it's going to give me a stomach issue mm-hmm. so i take this medication for my stomach issue and then I'm going to go over here because I got now this is giving me kidney issues. Yeah. So you got three medications and that maybe the problem isn't the side effects, but maybe the problem is we should go back to the original problem. Yeah. 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 And, and t- yeah. try to address that. But now there's economies built on that and there's people's jobs. So now, right. now you have people that are like, well, I'm not going to change that because I need this job. Yeah. And my individual needs are, are, um, you're subservient to my needs. So, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't matter how well, medicine is or whether it's effective or not we've invested too much money and time and we have to assert our power well i think that's a that's a really good picture of of sort of the modern city you Mm -hmm. have a lot of um uh, legal and bureaucratic and and economic structures that are there Mm -hmm. that maybe don't have any you know we have a lot of vestigial organs Mm -hmm. in cities that maybe you're not as important or necessary and we say things like oh they've always been here or Mm -hmm. Oh, they they're really good in a vague sense. So we don't we don't actually define that or figure out what it is. So then we start to say things like, Well, our cities aren't living up to our expectations. And it's like, well, maybe the perpetuation of some of these these things add to that. Mm-hmm. You know, we 
we were fixing non-problems with non-solutions. And then we we're like, why isn't this working? Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, when I use a hammer and a screw to try to put two boards together, it doesn't work. And it's yeah. not yeah, that yeah. two boards I mean, were not fit to go together. Yeah. Or so that the, the screw was defective. Right. You're just so, not using it for what it properly is designed for. Yeah. You know, so you have to come back to the, is the world um, capable of, of coming together? Are, can things work and come together? And it's like, um, but if, in, in, are you someone who wants to build or tear down? Yeah, I think that's why this, this, that first quote from, from Kepler stands out because he talks about um, learning the greatest possible variety of spatial sincere, sensations inherent in the relationships of the forces acting on the picture surface. Now, he's, he's talking about, you know, visual art. Yeah, um, I mean, that's but, how I define, that's how I talk about it. Co- but I'm know. talking about, like, we put that onto life, like yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, there's probably a lot, there's a, there's a whole lot more questions that we need to ask and things we need to talk talk about mm-hmm. and people we need to have relationships with before we get to a place where we slow, can definitively say but I that can slows it. down progress gareth i know man it, if only and it makes it redundant it means that i don't like i mean i'm i'm being sarcastic but that's what it <laughs> no, that's totally. the problem is oh that means that i got to go back and relearn what someone else learned yeah cuz because we don't but here's the nice thing. If your progressivism just creates more trash, it just perpetuates progressivism. Yeah. So you've always got that job. So just keep it up. Yeah. 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 So problem. that's, yeah. <laughs> except for it is. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Sarcasm yeah. there too. Sarcasm so. there too. Yeah. 100%. No, I mean, best thing. So like we, we wouldn't move as quickly and that seems very conservative and that, that is uh, very frustrating to some people. Um, yeah. I saw a thing that illustrates that point exactly where somebody, they were like, they said, we weren't going to wait for all these old people to get around to finally do something. So we did it ourselves, you know, which you hear like the canned, yeah, come from the background. Um, and what they were doing is they, they were taking, and I'm not making this up, they're taking glass bottles and chipping them up and they were sticking them in the ocean floor. Now, they were not making these fine dust. So it wasn't like going back to like, you know, silica. <laughs> it was straight up like glass. They're giant shards of glass. Those things will wash up on shore because we know how oceans work. So maybe it's that the old people weren't not making decisions. Maybe it's that they realized that hundreds of tons of broken bottles a few miles out from shore eventually will make beaches uninhabitable. Yeah, and that's... Wait, were they trying to, like, stop the beaches from receding? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so that's where anger and impatience make for terrible decision-making. So anger, impatience, and anxiety make for horrific decision-making. Um, yeah, would you rather have an angry, impatient chef cooking you dinner at their yeah. house or somebody who's taking a little bit longer so what for is some a, slow what food? So what is America largely? Not angry, angry and impatient, impatient and anxious. Dude, I've got so, Yoda in my head right now. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, I mean, you can't. Fear leads to anger. Anger yeah. leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Yeah. That's right. That's where we're at. And suffering and leads to everyone you know suffering. The people that think they're the most right are leading the charge and are going to suffer a lot yeah. for their blindness to that. They're going, they're going to, you are going, there's not, here's the thing. When you spend all your life cultivating an image on Instagram, let's say mm-hmm. obsessing on yourself and all of a sudden there's no food. Well, you haven't been preparing yourself mm-hmm. to figure out how to get it. And your cultural capital, when the power shuts off has no cachet. Yeah. And it will kick back to raw nature survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. And um, which is not what we want. This is not what we want. You do not want to so live in raw thought, nature. Yeah, you do not want to live where where you don't want to live where the uh, you know the praying mantis just comes up and eats you alive, and is indifferent to you. Yeah, you you you've been assuming all the benefits 
that uh, that come with the world we're in to complain about a couple. You know, it, yeah. You know, if if there's anything that I want to say, if somebody pointed us and say, "Oh, well, y'all think you're right. You're leading the way in something, right?" I'd love to say that if there's one thing we are right about and that we think we're leading the way in, it's that maybe we should slow down a bit and ask a few more questions of yes. each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing tell me else. I'm wrong about that one. Yeah, yeah. And so it's because I, 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 at the end of the day, I mean, uh, it's probably apparent. Like I, I sympathize a lot with early modernism mm-hmm. because you want to have like there's the, the hopefulness of it is such a nice thing. It's yeah. it's, it's hard to not deal with. Um, but you know, then you look a few years down the road and you see there's a lot of problems. Yeah. But um, you know, it's one of those things that you you kind of want that hopefulness, and if you're still in that spot where you can ask questions and be open to things and assume that something is better, but you may not on your own have the answer of what that is or where it will be found. I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of things to be said for open eyes and open hands Mm -hmm. and the willingness, like you were saying, Cody, to be a part of a group of people who know that I myself as an individual can't do completeness, but we can do a little closer to completeness if it's me and you Mm -hmm. and a little more if it's me and you and you. Mm -hmm. But yeah, dude, I think, um, you know, Capture's got a lot of cool stuff. He has a lot of books out there. Yeah, Language of Vision looks like a keeper. Oh, it totally is. It's a great read um, because if you and and it's a great read, especially if you read I'm him as to buy a designer yes. because he is completely talking as a painter. So like, so it's a great crossover. Yeah, and just a note: so Language of Vision is public domain, I think. Yeah, I'm not sure because they well they did somebody did a reissue a couple years ago. And so okay. I'm not sure what happened with that. So I'm just in searching for it, primarily, this is not an advocacy for any type of piracy if it is a copyrighted work. So just want to throw that out there as a disclaimer. But primarily, I did see it available in PDFs for free online. And I know you can also, um, if you have access to like certain library apps that they yes. have the book in their system, you might be able to get an ebook version. Yeah, I would be careful with the newer versions of it because I'm not sure how close it is to the original text. Yes. And then also the images are very integral. So if it doesn't contain images, do not buy it. Yes. And then I, just from doing some research, it seems like some of the current publications, even though they do have images, you're dealing with some just like printing quality issues like really thin paper or yes. images that should be colored black and white. So great book to look into, but sort of be wary about what copies you have access to. Yeah. Um, that's a, this is the one I have with me here in the studio is, is a first edition. Yeah. So I am, I'm very happy. About it. <laughs> it's very nice. Um, you shop the right places, you find the right things. Nice. Um, Somebody tells yeah. me the right place is not Amazon. No, I tried looking the other day. You're not going to find the one you want there yeah. unless it's used, which is uh, completely what you want to get. Um, but he also, uh, edited a, a, a six volume set called vision, vision and values. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really dealt with a lot of the, like what he was talking about in the quote from the last episode about, um, like hand and heart mm-hmm. coming together. So a lot of those big names that came out of black mountain, Chicago, Bauhaus, Yale, wherever, like they, they're the voices that are part Are of those that. books also open source. No, they're, they're very hard to find. Gotcha. I mean, they're up there with, you like, have them. They, I'm in progress of, mm-hmm. of getting them. So the it's some of them are very easy to find. A couple of them are very hard to find. Um, but then also if you if if any so what of you're saying stuff, is don't look for them until you get them. Yeah, yeah, y'all hold off about a week, okay? Um, <laughs> but then there's also like I don't remember if it's thirteen somewhere between thirteen and twenty volumes that were put out um, by the Bauhaus 
that contain a lot of the same writers and mm-hmm. a lot of the same ideas that are really good. And I cannot pronounce the German word for what they are, but uh, yeah, those are that's a fantastic set as well. Again, uh, wait till I get my copies before y'all rush and buy them. But uh, sweet, yeah, they're they're great works. Yeah. So a lot of these uh, mid-century designers, um, like folks like Kepish, like had a large impact on uh, like industrial design. A mm-hmm. large impact on um, like advertising and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and then everything went to crap in the eighties. But that's a different podcast topic for another day. So, um, I guess this is a good spot to wrap it up. Uh, we appreciate y'all sticking around for another little bonus section on um, design stuff. But we do love you, your fantastic audience, and we will catch you next time. Peace. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottle.